Hello and welcome to the Good Fight Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 11. And as we'll tell you a little bit later, it's going to be uh, Part 1 of a two-part uh, series with some uh, some great suspense for you uh, for next week. But uh, to begin with, um, conspiracy theories. And none, none of us wants to be accused of buying into a conspiracy theory. And I keep trying to tell Denver that, yes, we really did land on the moon. Uh, that you know, it was not just staged in Hollywood, Denver. So, just you know, we have to wrap right. our wrap yeah. our uh, heads around that. Well, I'll certainly try to do that. Um, well, we mentioned in the lightning round a couple weeks ago uh, about the Great Reset and some of its ominous implications and goals. Um, and just to be honest, uh, you know, after finding out a couple of things, you know, they're really not hiding anything when they're talking about all of this stuff. Um, so that's that's the most ominous thing about me uh, for me about this whole thing. Um, we listened to a resource uh, back on uh, March second at Calvary Chapel uh, with Pastor Jack Hibbs and Charlie Kirk, um, and I would encourage everybody if if you haven't to listen to that. Um, and they kind of list out you know what the uh, ideas and goals are for this this whole thing, and it's you know it's informative, it's good to listen to, so you know what they're up to, but it it really is scary. Yeah, I watched it live and then I listened to it again because I wanted to kind of be up on the on the points that they they were making. And part of that um, uh, that that meeting, uh, in fact, the main framework that Charlie Kirk presented was that there were eight goals of what is called the Great Reset, uh, goals to be accomplished by 2030. Now, as I was preparing for this, Denver and I are really trying to, to cite our resources and really trying to be careful not to buy into conspiracy theories, to check my quotes and, and my sources and list them in the, in the resources. Uh, and so they, they, uh, they presented eight things that were listed as goals of the Great Reset. So in preparing for this episode, I looked online, I went to Charlie Kirk's website, I tried to look, even the World Economic Forum, uh, who uh, is involved in the Great Reset, looked at their website, could not find that at all. But the closest thing I did find was from 2016, a list of eight predictions by 2030 that they were predicting. So, um, uh, so that, that to me was kind of, kind of different. And so I, that it, that really changed the course of the preparation for this episode. Yeah, and while the church event uh, with Jack Hibbs was good, uh, there definitely is a difference between a prediction and a goal. And what began uh, this idea of this specific podcast episode to tell you about those eight goals has now morphed into whether the Great Reset is real or just one of those moon landing conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we decided that before we tell you about the predictions, which they're still very informative, even though they're not specifically stated goals of a great reset, um, they, and as we'll see, they do parallel the, uh, the, 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 the stated uh, mission of uh, what you'll discover is the World Economic Forum. We'll describe that if you haven't heard of it. Uh, so we're going to give you a, th a thumbnail of some of the major ideas, the major players and philosophies, which whether there's a great reset or not, they're very ominous. And as Denver mentioned, they're right out there for everybody to see. And we're seeing them played out before our eyes. Yeah. So prepare yourselves for this because you're, you're in for a wild ride to hear all these things. Dun, dun, um, dun. Yeah. <laughs> add the music in. <laughs> um, but 
uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit in the middle segment. So instead of our lightning round that we've done, uh, we're going to do something um, called Who Said It? We each kind of found a couple quotes um, uh, uh, that we had gathered, and you know they may not be uh, said by the people that you think said them. So look forward to that. Okay, we'll be back in a second. Okay, and we are back. Uh, we're going to begin this segment talking about uh, the World Economic Forum and giving you a little bit of history, kind of where it uh, came from. So uh, the World Economic Forum is an international non-governmental and lobbying organization that started uh, near Geneva, uh, Switzerland. Uh, it was founded on uh, the 24th of January in 1971 uh, by a German engineer and economist, economist uh Klaus Schwab. And I think I said that correctly. Did I say Klaus correct? Yes, but it's economist. But other than that... Uh, Ec- oh, okay. yeah. Well, economist. Oh, well. Yeah. That's all right. Okay. Yeah, we can move on from that. <laughs> yep. Um, and their motto is this, committed to improving the state of the world, which I guess doesn't sound too bad, you know, if you don't dive into exactly what he means. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about him later. Yeah. And then, uh, so the origin of this whole idea of the Great Reset, uh, even though it's been the, 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 the ideas, I mean, we, we've all watched the James Bond movies about the New World Order. And uh, so, you know, and, and, and really those, those words are actually being used now uh, uh, for things. But the Great Reset uh, was the theme of the World Economic Forum's 50th annual meeting, uh, that was in June 2020. And so uh, lots of high-profile business and political leaders. Uh, uh, Prince Charles uh, was one of the uh, with the chair people. Uh, the World Economic Forum sponsored it, obviously. And the, the theme was rebuilding society and the economy following COVID-19. And, you know, we can echo uh, the, the infamous words of never let a crisis go to waste. And, uh, you know, we can kind of see that some of these things are... Um, are are, are kind of the using the crisis to bring about some of these uh, uh, globalist things that will have uh, you know some kind of ominous implications for our freedom if we really look at it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that the great great reset. Obviously, we knew that, or at least I knew that it was you know pretty recent, um, and it makes a lot more sense that um, it was kind of coming off of the whole COVID thing. Um, but basically. Um, Klaus Schwab, uh, described three core components of the Great uh, Reset. And the first one includes creating conditions for a stakeholder economy. Uh, the second component includes building a more resilient, equitable, and sustainable way based on environmental, social, and governance metrics, which would um, basically be the fourth industrial revolution uh, that he says is for the public good. Um, so I don't know. You can kind of take what you want from that, but <laughs> well, you know, just even back to the uh, the the 
the, the goals of the world or the motto of the World Economic Forum uh, improving, uh, well, improving according to whom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the state of the world. So, and it, but it's interesting to see these buzzwords that we're seeing put around. I mean, and and, and pay attention to the word stakeholder. Mm-hmm. And then resilient, equitable, sustainable. You know, I saw these coming into the education system, and they all sound really good on the surface, but they're all very fuzzy and subject to very uh, subjective interpretation. And uh, as we've seen, without it, without an anchor, uh, you can make make these things pretty much mean uh, anything that you want to. And and just even in the the Great Reset, um, the International Monetary Fund. Uh, director listed the three category, uh, three aspects of sustainable response in this way: that green growth, smarter growth, and fairer growth. So you know you look at those things, uh, and yeah, wow. So we really encourage you. Uh, we're one of the things we want to do with the podcast is trying to identify some of the things that. Um, uh, that are important to know about and give you just uh, some resource to, to do. So look, Hillsdale College's Imprimus gives a very good description of the Great Recess, and that's in the in the um, in the resources. In addition to Wikipedia, uh, it, it's very interesting. A lot of these quotes came from the Wikipedia thing, and it seemed very helpful and even some somewhat objective. <laughs> so yeah, okay, well. Um, we'll go into a little bit more about Klaus um, right now. Um, and the, my takeaway from him um, is basically his idea of uh, having corporations and governments uh, work together. Uh, so basically, he says that we should have a globalized world and that it is best managed by a self-selected coalition of multinational, around-the-world corporations uh, and utilizing that through the UN system, including that, I should say. Yeah. So, and, and and another thing he says that governments are no longer the overwhelmingly dominant actors on the world stage. So interesting. So that's where you kind of get stakeholders there. That governments, yeah, but then there's corporations, and then you know, unidentified what else. But it, uh, he, he says that the time has come for a new stakeholder paradigm of international governance. International governance. So, I mean, it's, you know, globalism, one world government, uh, you know, please <laughs> look into us. You know, it's not the conspiracy theory, it sounds like, but uh, the, but even the, the, the World Economic Forum's vision includes a public-private uh, United Nations, where certain specialized agencies operate under joint governmental and non-governmental uh, uh, oversight and governance. Yeah, and you know, learning about the United Nations over the past year and some of my courses that I'm taking, you know, the United Nations has immense power, and uh, through their their governments who participate in it, and giving corporations the same power as government is very dangerous in my opinion yeah and from what i understand that was kind of mussolini's model that the you know the big corporations uh, came in and and you know we're seeing that now especially with big tech and uh so uh let's let's continue it's going to be a a, a longer dialogue and after our, our second segment we're going to go through a couple of other um aspects it's good for you to know uh, to to know about just to 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 um 
to conclude this segment, uh, there's a... Um, a think tank called the Transnational Institute that kind of described this whole idea uh, that that they summarized that we're increasingly entering a world where gatherings such as this Great Reset gathering are kind of like a, a silent global coup d'état uh, to capture power away from national governments. And I don't think that's understated uh, if we, if we look at it. So keep listening. I know you'll enjoy this next segment especially, uh, but oh, yes. keep listening, and uh, we'll we'll give you more. Okay, and we are back with our new segment, Who Said It? Um, I had a lot of fun with mine, so I hope you uh, everybody enjoys it. And I'll go ahead and read my first quote. Uh, to give some background on this one, this person is talking about the pullout of Afghanistan. And here's the quote. If you leave all of the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave behind those billions of dollars in weapons, I promise they will be used against your grandchild and mine. Who do you think said it, Brian? Okay. I am going to say that this came from when Trump was proposing pulling out of Afghanistan and former President Joe Biden, when asked for a comment uh, on that, that's what he said. So I'm going to say former President Joe Biden or former Vice President Joe Biden. So, yes, you're correct, but the timing, uh, he was uh, running for president at the time in 2007. Okay. So this okay. was uh, on the campaign trail, and uh, I have the date that it was August 12th, 2007. So you got it right, so congratulations, but it's really interesting that the man who pulled out uh, and did exactly what he said should be done, he did, and he's very proud of it now, so... That's very sad. Well, there's a lot of that going around. And uh, as we record this, the uh, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop is uh, coming, is bubbling up and and so many things. And uh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, so feeling pretty good. Okay, okay. give, give so me another one. see if you can get the second one. Okay. Give me another one. So the second one is this. He is an illegitimate president. He knows he stole the election. Well... Denver, you gave me two pretty easy ones, so I thank you for okay. taking it easy on yeah, me. Because, you're welcome. You're welcome. You know, obviously, that came from a very sour grapes, uh, whining, crybaby, sniveling uh, um, Donald Trump uh, when he realized uh, that uh, things were going the way that they were uh, in the election. So I'm going to say. Donald Trump being a sore loser crybaby. I'm very happy to say that you're wrong. What? Those are good words to say. You're wrong. Yes, this is uh, Hillary Clinton uh, following the what? 2016 election. Would you be even believe it? Um, and she was praised for saying those words. Um, yet when Donald Trump would say something similar about the 2020 election, people say it's dangerous. And I just want to add something to that. Um, that I found, uh, that I do remember, um, but Hillary Clinton told Biden 
to uh, not concede the election if it mm-hmm. was close. Yeah. And people, again, praised that. But then when Donald Trump did the same thing and didn't concede right away, you know, people were saying it was dangerous. So mm-hmm. um, the hypocrisy is insane. But It really is. And uh, at the end of our good news segment, I'll uh, have a couple things about uh, what, we're, what we need to be doing about that. Okay. I got a couple for you. Okay. So here's my first one. If you don't believe that God intervenes in human affairs, then I think you're not a Christian. Okay. Um, I ha- I'm struggling with this one. I'm not, not too sure. Uh, I don't know. You just have to tell me on this one. I, I give up. I concede. I concede my... No, not even a guess or, uh, you know, somebody that... Uh, uh, I mean, do you, would you consider this as coming from a religious person or a non-religious person? Religious. Okay. Am I understanding right. it correctly? Maybe not. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, that that I mean, they're talking about, about something that is, you know, religious in nature, and kind of uh, uh, it would hard, be hard for me to. Well, yeah, think that's why I'm somebody that. that. Yeah. So, well, okay. Uh, that was actually said from famed uh, atheist uh, Christopher Hitchens as part of a debate um, that he engaged in uh, with with a, a Christian individual. And they were going back and forth about very different points. But I thought uh, it's very obvious that Christopher Hitchens had read the Bible um, uh, and that uh, he knew what the Bible said. And... Um, so I, I thought it was very interesting that he would acknowledge uh, that uh, that even though um, he obviously didn't believe in that God intervened in human affairs because he didn't believe that there was God. <laughs> so <laughs> you know there there's that. Okay, all right. Here's here here's another one. Okay, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Okay. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. You should be able Very to come up with at least a, you but should I'm be able to come up with at least a time frame for for this proposed time frame. John Locke. John Locke. Would that be the right time frame? I think it is. Mm, okay. Okay. John Locke. Right. So, what what atrocity do, do you think that there are any particular absurdities oh. and atrocities that this person might have had in mind that for you to say John Locke? No, it was just kind of the highbrow thinking, and that kind of brought me to to think of somebody like a philosopher or somebody. So that's that's why I kind of brought. Okay. Up. Well, this is completely a bird walk, but when I whenever I see the name John Locke, I think of some uh, graffiti I saw on the inside of a of a bathroom stall by the by the latch on the door. You know that it was the John Locke. So there we go. <laughs> but back there. You go. Well, uh, I, I thought you were going to say that it uh, was talked about after the Holocaust. You know, believing oh. the absurdities about race, but actually it's from way early uh, by Voltaire. And um, so, uh, much earlier than that. And um, so, um, 
uh, it just is interesting that uh, you know that we see that, and you know we are now seeing you know we can apply that to the trans uh, and and absurdities and uh, the atrocities that are happening with young young people and you know giving them drugs and and doing surgery on them. So, yeah. Okay, I'm over two then. Oh well, one for two. Okay, better luck next time. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so we're running a little bit long in the segment, uh, but uh, you want to give us that first piece of good news we got? Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, I was on the wrong page, so I need to scroll down to it. Uh, maybe you can start off with the first piece. Sure. Uh, um, that uh, Ron DeSantis signed that parental rights and education bill, uh, despite the blistering criticism from the LGBT uh, community, uh, from... from uh, Disney's uh, ridiculous pandering and, uh, and and everything, and I just thought that that was really good news. That uh, those clips we played a couple of weeks ago, he stood right by it, and I'm very very thankful and proud. And I actually I sent him an attaboy email to thank him for that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, see, I, I'm glad that I'm doing this second piece because there we go. I'm uh, I'm uh, a, I live in Utah, so the Utah governor uh, Spencer Cox. Uh, vetoed um, uh, the ban on biological males uh, participating in, in women's sports, but it was overridden by the Utah legislature, which personally, living in Utah, knowing the politics, I didn't think was going to happen. Um, but to my surprise, it did. And so that's good. Glad. Well, this is where I was going to go on my soapbox, and uh, we're, we're, we're not going to uh, do it for the sake of time, but I just think we, that we need to, to speak up and speak out with DeSantis-like courage and clarity, uh, because these things we're seeing come to pass, that there is a, there's a real war on, and there are sides to the war, and I'm really, I, I want a bottle of that courage and clarity that Ron DeSantis has for my own personality and my situation. Well, he, uh, I think he has uh, some wines that he sells. Maybe you can buy a bottle of wine. Okay, we'll try them. <laughs> All right, back in a second. We're back uh, about a m- little bit more about some of the major players and ideas uh, that have to do with uh, the uh, the Great Reset and and even more significantly the World Economic Forum. So we talked about Klaus Schwab, uh, the founder, and <laughs> as uh, in that forum at uh, at Chino Hills, they were kind of talking about him as as kind of a real life uh, Bond villain type of a guy. He's a very distinctive older gentleman and talks with a sick German accent. Uh, and uh, so just some interesting comparisons with that. Uh, but uh, another character uh, that maybe more of you have heard of is George Soros. And uh, I feel like we need some theme music again uh, for that. But dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. but uh, so George Soros, for those of you that don't know, he's a Hungarian-American. He's dual citizenship. Uh, he's a billionaire, a currency trader. That's how he made uh, most of his money. Uh, he donates to a lot of so-called progressive groups and issues and candidates worldwide. Worldwide, And his major involvement in the U.S. began in 2004 uh, in the effort to defeat uh, George W. Bush. 
So uh, he's famous or infamous for donations to liberal and leftist candidates, uh, most recently um, uh, to local district attorney, attorney races, like uh, in Philadelphia, uh, Cook County, which is, uh, includes Chicago, and then right here uh, in my backyard um, uh, to uh, District Attorney Gascon, all in the name of criminal justice reform, quote-unquote. Well, in all of these places, we've seen how lawlessness has resulted. And, uh, and then also George Soros has donated to uh, political action committees that have uh, supported Obama and, and Hillary. And uh, then he was Biden's single largest donor uh, to his race. So we can kind of see uh, where he's coming from. And when we combine that uh, very much simpatico with the goals and very uh, of the World Economic Forum in terms of the globalism, and really, I think it's, it's arguable that these donations are uh, securely for the purpose of making uh, one of the predictions of of undermining the United States' leadership in the world uh, and, and working to that end. So just be, be aware of, of Soros and Soros-funded people in some very unlikely places. Another thing he's, he's uh, invested in are races for the secretaries of state in, in, in states. And they're the people that decide whether elections should be certified and, and a lot of the rules. So uh, we'll go ahead and move on, but uh, he's a major player. Okay, well, I'm just going to keep on the theme of scaring everybody and uh, <laughs> continue dun, to talk dun, about dun. Yeah, another one of those. Um, so the World Economic Forum, as we talked about earlier, uh, has this branch um, called the Young Global Leaders. And uh, the World Economic Forum has uh, uh, basically, this is from Geopolitics, by the way, uh, their website, um, the World Economic Forum has been instrumental in shaping a world order that undermines all democratic principles. And so they created this group uh, for, uh, of these young global leaders, as they call them. And we're going to talk about some of the, the people that have gone through this. Um, and maybe some of them will surprise you. But when you kind of wrap your head around the whole World Economic Forum and the goals, and then you'll see that these people who have gone through this program... You know they're very, very predominant figures. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Well, and and uh, Klaus Schwab is very proud of this group. You can tell by there's videos out there you'd be able to see. But he he says, um, I, and I won't do the accent. He he says I have to say then uh, when I mention the names like Mrs. Merkel, uh, Angela Merkel of Germany, even Vladimir Putin, and so on, they've all been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. But what we're really proud of now with the young generation like Prime Minister Trudeau, okay, think uh, shutting down the truckers and, and, uh, and all, the president of Argentina and so on, is that we penetrate the cabinets. It's true in Argentina and it's true in France now as their new president, Marcon, uh, is, uh, is also a graduate. So that's a direct quote. And uh, if you want to hear it with the accent, you can kind of, kind of look <laughs> that up. Yeah. So uh, when we're talking about this, remember that the two ideas are uh, mixing government and corporations. So like uh, Brian said, we have Angela Merkel. Um, but then you also have the likes of which uh, of Bill Gates, uh, Microsoft, uh, one of the biggest companies, not only in the United States, but the world. Um, and, you know, Bill Gates is kind of known for being involved in government and 
well, there you go. He was taught to do that. <laughs> and to- Tony Blair, former uh, Prime Minister of England. Yep. Yep. Um, Emmanuel Macron, as Brian explained, and then another one, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. So there's Hollywood right there. He's a big climate activist. Well, you can and you can see the worldwide uh, scope of this. So you've got uh, you know crown princes and princesses in in places like Sweden and Norway and Denmark and the Netherlands. Um, the ambassador of uh, one of the Saudi Arabia's ambassadors to the U.S., New Zealand, and Belgium. Yep, um, and then another one that you know very popular, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of, of Facebook, who is involved probably in more aspects of your life than you would probably uh, like that to be. So. Yeah. Larry Page, the founder of Google. Jimmy Whale, the founder of Wikipedia. Founder of Skype. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it just, I, I think the, the main point of this is that uh, people's philosophies make a difference. And uh, I mean, and you can argue that the Patriot Academy that uh, uh, that Denver has been a part of uh, has the same goal in the opposite direction to equip young leaders. So that's the hearts and minds of young influencers uh, is very important. Okay, and yet when we look at the goals of these uh, of these organizations uh, and, and what that means for us as Americans and our future and our freedom. Uh, it's just very ominous, and you can see a lot of dots being connected when you look at the, the, the commonalities of what these people are saying and what they're doing, like canceling free speech when it doesn't go along with the, uh, with the, with the party line and things like that. Yep, and that's why I'm so proud to be part of uh, Patriot Academy and the program that they have going on over there. Uh, uh, to be involved with young people like me, uh, that, that's very important, and to push back with the ideas of uh, likes of which of the world's uh, economic forum. That's just dangerous stuff. So I'm glad to be on, on this side of the aisle. <laughs> yeah. Well, in our, in part two next week, we will, we'll go through those eight points, but we'll also try to outline some of the, uh, the goals and philosophies that are documented out there with the world economic forum and, and just uh, kind of, fill in some of the the blanks and question marks so uh, all these there'll be a lot of resources if you want to kind of read up between now and then uh you know that that would be great but we'll kind of go into that uh so we will be back in just a second with our uh, quote of the week and our conclusion All right, and we are back uh, to wrap things up. Um, and with the quote of the week, uh, this one was a quote that I had posted on Facebook. Um, must have been April-ish, uh, May or April of 2020, uh, right after you know all those uh, the, the COVID restriction, uh, COVID restrictions came in, the lockdowns, that type of thing. Um, and so, and I got some feedback from some people, but, um, it's certainly still relevant. So I'm going to go ahead and read this right here. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And that was by Benjamin Franklin. And so you can kind of get the sense of, of why I posted it then, um, with COVID, um, people wanting to, to give up their liberties, uh, for safety, um, 
And I agree with Benjamin Franklin that those people deserve neither liberty nor safety. <laughs> yes, and that's one of the reasons we're trying to do this is to just lay, to lay out things. And, and we'll make a better case or a more thorough case for this next week. But uh, the, how, how important that we as Americans are and America uh, a, as a global leader is and not just America uh, as part of a of a of a conglomerate like a, a of a UN, but just our we we have the, the the foundation and the principles in order to be able to uh, to help maintain and assure that liberty for as many people as possible. And as much as it may not seem like it, a lot of these things we're talking about in the in the World Economic Forum and the you know the the Great Reset stuff are designed on purpose uh, to, to take away the system that has provided us with those liberties. And so um, I, I, we're already seeing them being taken away in China and Russia, of course, but you look at the, what's happened in, in uh, Canada with their, uh, their, their just totally inappropriate crackdown on the, on the truckers and even people peripherally involved with them, and in Australia with the gun grabs. Uh, and things that that part of our the brilliance of our American system is that uh, it's too robust for that to happen quickly. It's got to happen slowly, and and we need to talk about uh, how to, what we can do to, uh, to to stem that tide. And there's a lot of things we can do. Yeah, and, and that's why the whole "Make America Great" or "Make America Great Again," whatever, that's an important concept. Uh, energy independence, strong defense, uh, and principled leadership. Um, and I'd highlight energy independence there just because of the, the things going on today. But all of those are, are very true because I think we lack all of those uh, energy independence, strong defense, and then principled leadership as well. Um, that's something that uh, America is currently not uh, a part of. So. Yeah. Well, and uh, let's remind ourselves and, and our listeners, God's in control uh, and that the duty is ours, but the results are his. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll keep pushing that John Quincy Adams quote because it's really good. It takes the weight off our shoulders and puts them on God's as long as we're seeking to do his will. So thanks for listening. Uh, email us, goodfight71 at gmail.com. And uh, stay tuned for that next episode. And we're excited about it already. Yeah, keep up the good fight. God bless. Mm -hmm. Bye.